Hey there, everybody. It is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, another visual podcast right here. Really excited for this episode. I appreciate your guys' support on the first episode of the visual podcast. I really think this can help grow the podcast and just make it so much bigger. So I'm really excited about the future. And honestly, I'm just ready to get right into this episode. First thing I want to talk about is a Bleacher Report article right here. And it's how every NBA contender can fix their biggest problem with the trade and first starting off actually with my Boston Celtics and their biggest weakness they're saying is starting power forward and the trade target is Julius Randle now I do think this is a pretty interesting idea as Julius Randle has been really really good this season someone who can play make even though it's going to come with turnovers that's kind of just Julius Randle's game he shot the three ball pretty decently so far rebounds very well can be lazy on the defense side of the ball at times but isn't like a terrible defender honestly though I just don't think this really fits uh the needs of the Celtics like I don't think their biggest weakness is starting power forward I think Jason Tatum can easily play the four position and be completely completely fine I mean I understand the rationale of maybe wanting some more size and go a little bit bigger due to you not having too much size at the actual center position with a guy like Daniel Tice being 6'9 Robert Williams being like 6'9 and then uh, Tristan Thompson's like 6'11 so I can definitely understand that but honestly I think the bigger thing the Celtics need to address is depth and then definitely just shooting coming off the bench so if they could go after a guy like PJ Tucker who uh, you could get for only almost nothing like a couple second round picks and then maybe you'd have to throw in a player in there or a guy like JJ Reddick something like that I think that would fit the Celtics need much more than getting another like very good player in Julius Randle I think for now unless you can get a pretty good center it's more about just filling out the roster with good experienced guys who can shoot the ball and space the floor who can let Tatum and Brown go to work so yeah I just don't really like the idea of this I, I understand it but I'd much rather just go after bench depth uh, for the Brooklyn Nets they got defense slash center and JaVale McGee uh, for the trade target this has been something that's been talked about a bunch I mean I feel like it's something that's kind of guaranteed to happen honestly I'm surprised it hasn't already happened yet just due to how big of a need it is at the center position for uh, center position for them and JaVale McGee is someone you could buy pretty low on it's going to be a super low risk high reward move uh, so I really like that you probably just have to give up a second round pick or two and JaVale isn't the greatest player by any means but you just need uh, the center position so much you need some uh, size in there uh, another athletic guy like DeAndre Jordan who can catch lobs protect the rim uh, with your center position right now I mean you have basically just DeAndre Jordan who honestly just isn't that good I do like Nicholas Claxton but he's been injured so far this year so you don't want to really rush him into immediately being like a backup center for a championship level team so getting a more solidified guy in JaVale McGee and not having like Reggie Perry as much as I do like Reggie Perry as a player him playing the backup five at times it's it's just rough man we we see it every time they face a good center and I'm just terrified for them when they have to go against like a Joel Embiid and obviously JaVale isn't going to be the answer to that but I think it could be part of solving the problem so I do like that getting a rim protector and another guy who could just catch lobs and then get out of the way 
for the Dallas Mavericks, which is pretty interesting that they actually do have them as a contender as they have struggled so far this season. But I do think people need to contextualize their struggles so far with Chris Stapps coming back and then all the COVID protocols that have really hit them pretty hard, them losing multiple key uh, role players. And even though guys like Maxi Kleber aren't a star, that has definitely hurt them so far. But I do think they could be a contender. And there's this three-point shooting and rebounding. I mean, you're always going to want three-point shooters alongside Luka Doncic because he just does such a good job of hitting those guys and creating open opportunities for them. And then they have trade targets of Otto Porter Jr. and Andre Drummond because uh, their other weakness, they say, is rebounding. I mean, the Andre Drummond idea has been something that's been thrown around a while for the Mavericks. And honestly, I'm just not too big of a fan of it. Like, I like Chris Stapps at center. I don't like playing too traditional uh, well, obviously, Chris Stapps isn't a traditional big, but I don't like playing two seven-footers in 2021 when the game uh, now is all about versatility, uh, and even though some of these guys may not be the tallest, but they're able to guard multiple positions. So I think uh, a much bigger need would maybe be getting a more solidified four. I do really like Maxi Kleber, but he might be a guy you'd prefer to have off the bench because they have like Dorian Finney-Smith playing there a lot. So honestly, I think a bigger need would be like an athletic four who can guard multiple positions uh, and then can... I uh, hit threes as well. I do like the idea of Otto Porter. I mean, it's a pretty expensive contract, so I honestly don't know how they would get him. I think you'd have to throw Tim Hardaway Jr. in there, uh, but that's also just a bit of a weird fit uh, for me because uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been really good with the Dallas Mavericks, and I think Otto Porter is a downgrade, even though he is uh, a very good catch-and-shoot shooter, is a very good wing defender, and also is a guy who's on an expiring contract. So, Maybe you could get him by like trading James Johnson, who's still on a pretty big contract, and like Dwight Powell. So I could definitely understand the rationale of that as uh, Dwight Powell struggled off his Achilles injury. So the more and more I think about it, that's not a super bad idea, especially considering these are both expiring contracts and could give them more cap flexibility going into the future. For the Denver Nuggets, they have rim protection. Uh, they definitely do need a backup center. That's something that I feel like has been uh, pretty underrated was the loss of Mason Plumlee. I mean, they drafted Zeke Naji in the draft, but he just really hasn't played much. And he's a young guy, so you don't really expect him to be a big uh, rotation player for a team that's this good. And they have their trade target as Nerlens Noel, which I think is an amazing idea. Uh, definitely a super dif different dynamic to Nikola Jokic. You know, Jokic is going to play most of the game, but then you could just have Nerlens Noel to come off the bench and bring that energy ball be someone who can just catch lobs protect the rim and rebound so I, I do like that quite a lot I think that's a very very good idea and I think Nerlens Noel is someone you could get for super super cheap you're really not gonna have to give up much especially because uh, the Knicks are already pretty solid at the center position I mean they got Mitchell Robinson so they probably just want to let him play as much as possible and then they got other guys like Julius Randle who can slide into the small ball five at times so yeah I think I think that'd be a really smart move just get a solidified backup center and that'd be a, a big big help to the roster for the los angeles clippers they have six man slash point guard upgrade and their trade targets are two guys from the new orleans pelicans eric bledsoe and lonzo ball uh, i really like the idea of 
uh, either of these guys to the Clippers because I've always been someone who is hounded on them not having enough playmaking. And even though guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have stepped up in the playmaking department pretty significantly this year, like they've both been very, very good playmakers, especially Kawhi. But I still think they need a true point guard who can facilitate to those guys. And honestly, it would give them less responsibilities as a playmaker. Like they're still going to playmate because they bring so much attention to them that it's going to get their teammates open. But if you could allow them to focus more on scoring and don't really have to have the burden of being a playmaker, I think that's a very good idea. And as much as Lonzo Ball has struggled, I also think you have to... Uh, just put into context how bad of a situation he's been put in. First of all, just confidence-wise, they trade for Eric Bledsoe, a guy who plays the same position as them. I don't care that they've started with each other at times. They both are point guards in this league. They draft Kyra Lewis with the 13th pick. Like, you're showing every single sign that you don't want Lonzo Ball, and that's the last thing you want to do to a player's confidence is uh, – put players on the roster who are looking to replace him and then giving him such a lack of security on this roster. I just think they've made so many mistakes. I think the coaching has been really, really bad there. I think the roster doesn't fit around him and he's playing like a shooting guard when that's just not really his role. So I think getting him on a team like the Clippers with much better coaching and then actually allowing him to play his role as a playmaker and a good defender, I think that's a great idea. And I mean, Eric Bledsoe could do similar things Obviously, he's a different player to Lonzo, but still solid playmaker, good defender. I would just be really, really worried about his playoff woes because he struggled in the playoffs, especially when he was on the Bucks. man. He had some really, really rough series, like series against the Raptors, uh, against the Celtics in the first round. He was pretty bad in the playoffs, so I just don't really trust him. Honestly, I would like Lonzo more. That may uh, have some pretty bad impact implications for their future cap space because they already got uh, Paul George on his huge contract. They signed uh, Luke Kennard to a pretty big contract. They signed Marcus Morris to a pretty big contract. Uh, It just all depends on what they want to do, but I don't think you'd have to give up much for Lonzo. I think you'd have to give up someone like Lou Williams, who honestly just hasn't been that good this season, and I don't really trust him in playoffs uh, series anyway, so I really like the idea of that. For the Lakers, uh, they have general depth with a question mark, and I mean, yeah, I understand that the Lakers are just such a good team. I'm not really worried about them at all. Uh, You can always use more depth, always use more shooting, and they put uh, Wayne Ellington, Mike Muscala, and Garrett Temple, all guys who can shoot the ball. Uh, Mike Muscala is someone who's actually played there before, got traded for Zubak, and he was pretty bad with the Lakers, but he's been great for the Thunder this year as a backup center who can shoot the ball off the bench, so I like that. Wayne Ellington is just a solidified shooter in this league. He's uh, a very, very solid player and a guy who I think you could not get for much. And then Garrett Temple is honestly a really nice role player, and he's been awesome for Chicago this year. So I think any of these ideas are good, but yeah, the Lakers just don't really need much. They're just such a good team. Great defense, great offense. Uh, You could just always have more depth, so I understand the rationale of that. Uh, For the Miami Heat, who have been a team who struggled pretty significantly this year, Uh, they're another team that's been hit super hard by COVID. Jimmy Butler's been out for a while. I saw something, I don't know if this report was 100% true, but he lost like 11 pounds in a week due to COVID. That's really, really rough for them, and they've had to rely on guys like Gabe Vincent to play big minutes, and it it just hasn't looked good this year. And then 
Uh, they say their biggest weakness is a lack of a go-to score, which I can understand. Obviously, Jimmy was awesome in the playoffs last year. He was absolutely phenomenal, proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, but I still think a number one guy on uh, the offensive side of the ball, at least, because I don't think Bradley Beal's like a better player than uh, Jimmy Butler, but I think he is a better scorer, even though Jimmy has shown at times to be a pretty elite scorer in the league, especially in that playoff run. I think a guy like Bradley Beal would be awesome for this roster. Obviously, you have to give up significant value. You're going to have to give up guys you really, really like, but that just kind of comes when you're making a big star trade, and you are putting together a legitimate big three in that, because Bam Adebayo is a stud of a player. These are three guys who I say are arguably top 20 players in this league and you have three of them on your roster that's dangerous right there so I really like that even though you're gonna have to give up like Tyler Hero who I really really like you're gonna have to give up maybe Duncan Robinson Kendrick Nunn you're gonna have to give up some picks I think it's absolutely worth it because Bradley Beal is just that good and he really helps their roster getting a main go-to score down the stretch alongside Jimmy and then especially until Jimmy's back because he's gonna have to get ramped up in his conditioning and stuff too uh he doesn't really take the regular season super seriously anyway but uh bradley beal's been someone who's proven to do that so i like the idea of that uh for the milwaukee bucks they have opponent three-point shooting which is absolutely an issue and i don't really think it's a personnel thing i think it's much more of a coaching thing for mike budenhoser uh, his scheme is always uh, especially since he's gone to the Bucks, allowed a ton of open threes. They always do the drop coverage on the pick and roll, and it's always super effective in the regular season. And when you're facing bad teams who can't really shoot the ball that well, it's incredibly effective. But when you get in those close playoff series where you're facing a team like the Miami Heat, who have such good three-point shooting on their, their roster, you're facing a team like the Boston Celtics, I really just don't think you can allow uh, the other team to get so many open three-point shots. And they have the trade target as David Nawaba, which I think is a good idea. Uh, a really nice defensive wing. You could get him for pretty cheap. But honestly, I don't think that really fixes the problem because, again, I think it's more of a coaching thing. I think it's more of a Mike Boonholzer thing. And honestly, that's the biggest issue with their roster, in my opinion, because I think Chris Middleton has proven that he can be the closer down the stretch, even though you'd obviously love your best player in Giannis to do that. Chris Middleton has been the closer for this roster, and he's been very, very good in that role. I, I think... Uh, Drew Holiday is a very good player, and he adds a nice dynamic to this roster as another guy who can close down the stretch, who can play make, who can handle the ball, and we all know how good Giannis is. So honestly, until Mike Budenholzer is fired, I don't really think there's many actual like roster issues that they need to fix. I just think they need to change that coach. For the Philadelphia 76ers, they have secondary ball handlers uh, slash backup point guard. Now, I do really like Tyrese Maxey, and he's been awesome so far this season. I really like Shake Milton, but I do like the idea of getting a solidified guard off the bench. Uh, and Their trade target is Derrick Rose, which I think is a good idea, but I would prefer someone who could shoot the ball a little bit better. Like If they could get George Hill on this roster, I think that'd be absolutely awesome and then you got really solid guards coming off the bench you got uh, Shake Milton who's looked like a six man of the year candidate so far he's been awesome and then you got George Hill super steady veteran uh, good playmaker really good three-point shooter solid defender uh, Derek Rose is obviously a great player but he's just not much of a shooter and he's more of a guy who uh, likes the ball in his hand and thrives with the ball in his hand so I would like uh, them to get more of an off guard because obviously you have Ben Simmons and then you have Tyrese Maxey and Shake, uh, Shake Milton so uh, I do like the idea of getting some depth but I just don't really like that exact idea 
And then for the Utah Jazz, they have isolation scoring, and they actually have DeMar DeRozan, which is a super interesting idea as the Utah Jazz have actually been a historic three-point shooting team so far as far as uh, volume and percentage. They've been absolutely amazing as far as three-point shooting this year. So getting DeMar DeRozan, who has actually been shooting threes a little more, not shooting a great percent because we, we all know that's just not DeMar DeRozan's game. But him doing that a little bit more, and then him being such a good ISO scorer, like he's one of the best ISO scorers in the league. And even though he's had not the greatest playoff reputation, I do think that is a super interesting idea for this roster. But honestly, for the Utah Jazz, I really like their top, even though I don't think they have a top that like is a championship level team. Obviously, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are a really good duo. Mike Conley's bounced back this year and has been awesome for them so far. Bojan Bogdanovic hasn't been great, but I think he'll start to turn things up as the season goes on. Is recovering from that wrist injury, and then they got guys like Joe Ingles. Honestly. <coughs> I think uh, this roster just needs more depth than anything. I, I just think they need some guys who can come off the bench and score the ball uh, because they really just don't have much of that. Obviously, they have Jordan Clarkson, who's been absolutely awesome so far this year. Uh, definitely probably been my sixth man of the year so far, but I think another guy alongside him off the bench who could score the ball would be pretty useful, but I, I do really like the idea of DeMar DeRozan and think it's super interesting. You'd obviously have to give up some pretty significant value like you'd have to give up probably Bogdanovich, I'd guess, uh, just for money's sake. Uh, but that is a super interesting idea. And I definitely think that could work out. And I definitely think that raises the ceiling of this roster, even though you might not uh, want to mess up anything right now because this roster has been playing absolutely incredible. Uh, so super interesting idea there. And yeah, those are 10 trades for uh, contenders. And yeah, this was definitely a super interesting article from Bleach Report. Definitely had me thinking about a lot of stuff. And yeah, let's get into my next topic. First, talking about the Miami Heat. They've had a very interesting season so far at this point, as they've been one of the teams that's been hit hardest uh, from COVID. So many key players for them have been missing significant time. Jimmy Butler's missed quite a lot of time. Uh, there was a report that he lost like 11 pounds during the time he got COVID. So that uh, definitely sucks. But they're actually 13th in the Eastern Conference right now. And it's looking pretty scary for this roster so far. Now, obviously, you do have to contend. Uh, contextualize that they have been missing so many key guys they've been missing jimmy butler uh guys that are important rotation pieces for this roster have been in and out all year and that makes it super hard for this team to get a flow and get their chemistry going and that's what made them so great last year like obviously they have talent on that roster that's very clear but the thing that makes them so great is that the team just works so well together and they have such good chemistry but when you're getting even a couple new guys uh but guys are in and out the entire year that makes things super tough to just click as a roster and we've seen that i mean they're 27th in offensive point in uh, points per game scoring only 106 and they've never really been a great offensive team like even last year when they were so good they weren't great but they really hung their hat on the defensive side of the ball and with them missing key uh, pieces on that side they are 21st in opponents points per game so that's really hurting them as well like overall they haven't been that good of a team they're last in rebounding as other outside of bam they really don't have any guys who can rebound the ball that well they still are doing good as uh far as assist wise because they just move the ball so well but them not having their true number one guy in jimmy butler 
Uh, obviously, that's going to hurt because Jimmy Butler is a top 15 player in this league. Uh, absolutely. But uh, I really didn't think it would hurt this much. But when you're, you're relying on guys like Gabe Vincent to be a key rotation player for you, uh, that just scares me quite a lot. And even though they are going to start getting some of those guys back, it does worry me uh, about them just trying to click because I don't know if they're going to be able to when all those guys are back because then you have to adjust the roster so much. And even though the culture is obviously still great there, I think Eric Spolstra is an excellent coach. It, it does make things very, very difficult for them this season as, again, they've just been hit hit so hard and they've been one of the teams that has uh, had some of the most unfortunate circumstances so now they're being forced to play a lot of guys who would be rotation players for them but they're being forced to play them a lot more than they should be because they're missing Avery Bradley they're missing Jimmy Butler they've missed Goran Dragic, Mo Harkless, Andre Godala. these guys are all key rotation players and obviously Jimmy is a stud on this roster and they've been out with injury they've been out with COVID. So it, it honestly just terrifies me that this team may be getting so far behind the eight ball that it's going to be hard for them to catch up because especially in the short in 72 game season, it makes every game so much more crucial and makes uh, the like amount of error that a team can have so much less especially when you have other teams rolling like certain teams who aren't even upper echelon teams have been playing well uh the charlotte hornets have been solid this year the toronto raptors are starting to turn things around and while they've still been disappointing as a whole they've looked better as of late the boston celtics have been great this year and both of their young wings have emerged the bucks have been very good this season the brooklyn nets have james harden kevin durant and kyrie Irving on the roster. The Indiana Pacers have been great this year. The Philadelphia 76ers look like one of, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference. The Cavs have been surprising. The Knicks have been surprising. The Orlando Magic, even though they've had so many injuries, continue to just be a solid team because Nikola Vucevic is so good. The Hawks are decent this year. Like, there's a lot of teams playing some pretty solid basketball. And when you're the 13th seed, only a game and a half above the Detroit Pistons, like, it definitely scares me that they may just be getting too far behind so early on in the season that it's going to be a tough hole for them to dig out of. And I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that because uh, to say that at this point in the season when they're missing so many key rotation players would just be absolutely blasphemous. Like, that'd be ridiculous, uh, especially with the, with Bam playing the way he is, with Tyler Hero being very good. But Tyler Hero is another guy who's missed time as well. Like, they've just been uh, given some super unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances. And even though it does make you feel bad for them because it's out of their control, that also is just a part of the NBA. And especially this season, so many teams are going to be screwed by the fact that uh, the COVID protocols and then injuries in a shortened offseason are probably going to be up more. Like it's, it's just a part of this season. And as unfortunate as it is, it's how they're going to have to handle this season. They're going to have to deal with players missing time and they're going to have to have a guy step up. And that's been the thing that's been so great about the Miami. Heat is like the next man up mentality. It's very similar to the Toronto Raptors, the old Spurs teams where they'd always just have guys step up. But now with them missing so many guys, 
they're having guys who just simply aren't that good. They have to have those guys step up, and it's just not working out for them. And especially with them having so many non-defenders right now, because they're missing so many of their best defenders. Avery Bradley, great defender. Jimmy, Mo Harkless, Andre Godala. That's what's hurt them so much is on the defensive side of the ball, because you have guys like Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, uh, Kelly Olynyk, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vinson. Uh, Max Struss, like all these guys aren't really good defenders and they're all playing big minutes for them. And then the rebounding outside of Bam, the rebounding on this roster just kind of sucks. Like as much as Preston Atua is an awesome energy guy off the bench, he's still a rookie at the end of the day. He's still going to need time to develop uh, before he really plays key minutes in this league. So there's definitely some internal issues with this roster. And even though I think they'll be much better uh, when guys come back from injury and come back from COVID, I still am a little bit worried about this roster. Uh, I cannot sugarcoat that at all because this team has been pretty disappointing so far. Even in the short, the very short amount of time where they did have most of their guys, they still were disappointing. They still didn't look great. And I was the guy who was just saying, like, this team isn't really a regular season team. We saw that last year. They weren't even great in the regular season. But they, they have to be a regular season team this year uh, with the shortened schedule and with all the weird circumstances. Uh, and just this is a complete aside, but so many people like said there was an asterisk on last year, which I always think the asterisk uh, opinion is always stupid. Like uh, whoever wins most of the time, 99% of the time, they 100% deserve it. They worked hard every single day. And even if there were some unlucky circumstances for other teams like injuries, I never like to put an asterisk on the season. But this may be a season that an asterisk is put on uh, much more than last season. Like so many people were saying that for last season with the bubble. But honestly, I think it's much more valid this year for there to be an asterisk just due to all the weird circumstances, like what's going on with the Miami Heat with them missing so many key guys. And that's going to cause... Uh, them and other rosters to be disappointing like the Miami Heat have been so far again I'm not saying they're not going to be a playoff team or anything I'm just worried about this roster and I'm worried that they're going to be falling behind way too uh, much in this super weird uh, season where so many guys are going to be missing games and then the shortened season um, I'm a little bit worried about the Miami Heat not going to lie I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back Okay, I'm back to talk about the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets, after the James Harden trade, have actually been a very, very solid team so far. They're on a four-game win streak, and honestly, they've just been hooping. Victor Oladipo's been very good ever since he's came to Houston. Uh, he was pretty solid as a whole uh, this year, but he stepped up. He still hasn't been super efficient so far. He's really struggled with his three ball as he's shooting eight a game on only 27.5%. But I think it's just going to take time before the efficiency gets good. But I do like the uh, aggressiveness I've seen from Victor Aldipo so far. He's averaging about 22.5 points. He's been a very, very good defender, uh, playmaking well. He's just been uh, the Victor Aldipo that we know. I don't think he's ever going to reach the heights of his uh, most improved player season again I mean that was just such a ridiculous season for him uh, but I do think he can be uh, around like an all-star-ish caliber player still uh, I am super interested about just his future with the Miami uh, with the Houston Rockets as he is someone who uh, 
is on a one-year contract and he's expressed interest in going to a team like the Miami Heat. So it's still interesting to me and I think it's still up in the air his future with this roster, but at least so far he's been playing very, very well. Christian Wood continues his campaign of being an all-star caliber player so far this year as he's just been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's averaging 23.4 points, 10.8 rebounds, getting 1.7 blocks a game. Isn't shooting the three as well as I'd want him to. Uh, still shooting it solidly especially for a big at 35 and a half percent but he's just such a good lob target has a great handle for a big and has honestly become just one of the best offensive bigs in the league and I don't think that's really even a debate at all anymore he is just at the end of the day a very very good player and again I think he's an all-star caliber player I'm not saying he's gonna make it but especially with how the Houston Rockets are playing recently uh, he's making a pretty damn good campaign uh, campaign and he's been just awesome so far this year love Christian Woods game always thought that signing was a steal but I never knew he was just going to be this good this early like his potential is just through the roof man John Wall has been uh, very very good this year uh, I don't think he's ever going to be back to like uh, his old self in Washington but I don't think people should hold him to that standard because he's came off so many serious injuries and this dude was like an ear MVP candidate especially when we look at like his 2017 season where he was averaging 23 and 11 I don't think that needs to be expected but for him to just be a solid starting point guard around a top 10 point guard in this league I think can be expected and he's been around that this year he's been very very good hasn't been as much of a playmaker as I'd want him to be he's averaging a career low in assists at only five and a half per game so I'd like to see him get that up but his scoring has been pretty solid uh, doing it on decent efficiency three-point shooting isn't great but that just really isn't his forte anyway he's still getting to the basket still looks almost as explosive as ever handle still looks good and he's just been pretty decent this year and honestly I just love the camaraderie of this team so much more now that James Harden is gone like you could tell that was very very clearly affecting that roster a lot and I mean you could already tell from the comments of uh, DeMarcus Cousins and of John Wall that it was something that was affecting the team and it was something that they were frustrated about but I think it's really standing out now just how much that was affecting them and how much that was uh, affecting the chemistry of this team because even though they're not the most talented team by any means they just look like they're all having so much more fun and they're all just uh, playing free basketball now and all are enjoying their time uh, Deshaun Tate has been an absolute steal as an undrafted player for them so far this year uh, he's been a great defender solid rebounder and even though uh, he's a guy who probably shouldn't be getting 26 minutes a game he has been decent this year and I gotta give him a ton of credit for as an undrafted rookie for how far he's been playing this season he's been great uh, they've just found a lot of like diamonds in the rough over the years and it looks like Desha Deshaun Tate could be another one of them uh, Mason Jones is a guy who I really like as someone who I think could be a very good scorer in this league uh, I don't think he'll ever be like a great player but he's someone who is a genius at getting to the free throw line uh, he's only got to there 1.9 times a game in 13 and a half minutes but I think once he gets some more like legitimate opportunity he could really show that off as he was the uh, college uh, basketball leader in free throw attempts per game uh, at least if I remember off the top of my head correctly uh, when he was at Arkansas, he was just absolutely incredible at getting to the line. And he's just a talented scorer as a whole who can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, and I really, really like his game. I just really like the construction of this roster because they have their players who are like star players. Obviously, these guys aren't great, but they kind of, 
I, I mean, I guess you could say they have a big three. These guys aren't uh, like superstar players by any means, but they're all around all-star caliber players, and Christian Wood especially has been great. And then you just have nice role players around them. Eric Gordon has been very, very good this year. He had a pretty down year last year, just wasn't that good. Uh, shot the ball super poorly, shot only 37% from the field and 32% from three. But he's back to more typical Eric Gordon stuff, averaging about 17 points, uh, not still on great efficiency, as Eric Gordon is just kind of a shot chucker, especially ever since he's got to Houston. That's just the role he's been playing. But, I mean, he does it well. He's a guy who just comes off the bench and uh, plays that, like, J.R. Smith type of role as a six-man who just brings some uh, explosive scoring. David Nwaba's a good wing defender. Sterling Brown is a good wing defender. Uh, obviously, P.J. Tucker's a solid veteran. And I do expect him to probably get traded at some point this season. But he's still a good player, still shooting 42% from three, and then is a good defender as well. And I, I just love Steve, Steven Silas as a coach. I think Steven Silas is an absolutely awesome coach. And I do think that's like one of the biggest reasons why the Dallas Mavericks have been struggling so far this season is just the lack of having Steven Silas as their assistant. Because this dude is just an offensive mastermind. And he just does such a good job of putting his players in the right position. I mean, they're playing that similar style to what the Dallas Mavericks did last year. A lot of pick and rolls. And then they have such good guards in Victor Aldipo and John Wall who are both explosive athletes and both solid playmakers and then they can get Christian Wood involved on the lobs they can get him involved on the pick and pop and it just worked really really well you got to Marcus Cousins who has struggled a lot so far this season has still been getting screwed over by the refs with these technical fouls but I I really do hope and I do think he can uh, turn things around at some point for them I don't think he's going to end the season shooting 34 percent uh, from the field like I just think the Marcus Cousins is better than that it's going to take time with him uh He's someone who's came off so many catastrophic injuries, especially at his size. That's very, very scary. But I think he can turn that around. I just I just really enjoy the construction of this roster, really like the coaching. And I just love the camaraderie of this roster so much more that James Harden is gone now. You can tell they're just all having fun uh, playing basketball out there. And I do think they could be a team that competes for maybe like a play-in spot because they are a genuinely pretty good constructed roster, even if they don't have the most talent. Like Daniel House is a good 3 and D guy off the bat. They have a lot of nice players around their quote-unquote big three, and yeah. I really enjoy how the Houston Rockets have been playing ever since the James Harden trade. They've looked much better, and they're looking like a team who could compete for like a play-in spot. I, again, don't think they're going to be a solidified playoff team by any means, but they've been better than expected and have definitely exceeded my expectations ever since the James Harden trade. Now I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. If you know me, I'm a big Luka Doncic fan, and I was so high on the Mavericks coming into this season. I thought they were going to be absolutely incredible. I thought they were going to be the second-best uh, roster in the Western Conference, and I knew that was a bold opinion. I knew it wasn't super likely to happen, but I was just... I was really hoping for the best for this roster, and they've been pretty disappointing so far this season. Now, first, you got to give context to everything, and they've missed a lot of key rotation players so far this season, like uh, Josh Richardson, who they made the trade for, was out for some time. Maxi Kleber is still out. They they missed so many guys. 
uh, due to the health and protocol restrictions. And obviously, that's going to hurt your roster. Dwight Powell's coming off a very significant ace, uh, torn Achilles injury, and that's definitely caused his play to struggle quite a lot. They have a ton of new pieces on this roster, and they're still going to need time to develop. They're still going to need uh, time to all gel with each other. But still, the way this roster has been playing has just been a massive disappointment to me. Uh, starting off with Chris Stapps, I mean... He, he's been fine so far in his return. He's really struggling with his three-ball shooting 6.4 per game on only 29.4%. But I do think he can turn things up uh, because we saw when he was healthy in, in the bubble uh, and before the bubble as well, he was playing absolutely incredible. I think it's going to take time, but the thing about Chris Stapps is always you're just worried about what's the next injury for him and how significant is that injury going to be uh, because he is such a talented player. But when you're constantly coming off injuries like he is, it really just hurts him as he can. I feel like he can just never get into the flow of the game when he's constantly coming off a new injury and he always has to spend the offseason rehabbing an injury instead of treating. Uh, Truly working on his game and refining his skills so I feel like that has kind of caused him to plateau as a player a little bit uh, I just I do hope he can turn things around and I think he will but I think it's going to take time just just like it did last year uh, where he was really struggling at the beginning of the season I just hope he can stay healthy for the playoffs because if he can get rolling uh, I do think he can legitimately be an amazing player I think Chris Stapps is so so talented it's just always the injuries that have been so scary and I mean with a 7-3 guy like him who moves on the perimeter so much and puts so much pressure on those joints, there's kind of nothing else you can expect for, but, uh, for a player like him but to get injured pretty uh, frequently. So you just have to hope it doesn't happen at the right at the wrong time, and you just have to hope that the injuries that he does sustain in the future aren't significant. And maybe he's got like most of his uh, major injuries out of the way, and he can hopefully just stay uh, pretty healthy for the rest of his career. But he's always going to be uh, someone who needs to sit out like back-to-backs uh, most of the time and stuff like that just due uh, to his health. And that is something that is always going to scare me is uh, are they going to have a, a consistent second guy alongside Luca? Because as much as I love Luca, and as much as Luca is just such a phenomenal player, I mean, he's averaging 27 and a half, uh, basically nine and a half and 9.7 assists. And even that feels like a bit of a down here for him, which is just crazy and just shows how high uh, the expectations were for him going into the year. But at the end of the day, uh, only the truly, truly special players can just carry a roster. Uh, and I don't think Luke is there yet. And I don't think that's uh, against him at all. I mean, the dude is a third-year player. He's 21 years old. We, we, don't, we can't expect him to be LeBron in his third season. Uh, but he does need to be absolutely great if Chris Stapps isn't being that consistent second guy. Because when you don't have that and the defense can put so much more focus on you, that just makes things difficult. And I think we've seen that with like his three-point shooting, him shooting only 28.5%. Like in the offseason, he needs to address his three-point shooting. He needs to change something. I don't know if it's he just needs more repetition. I don't know if he needs to change me mechanics around because I do think he uh, could definitely make some mechanical changes. But there's absolutely a problem there, and he needs to fix that. I think he could always come into the season in a bit of better shape. Like He's someone in kind of like a Jokic way. Jokic is much better now, but it's kind of always played himself into shape uh, in the season. And we saw that. like He was pretty uh, disappointing at the beginning of the season, but he's playing much more like himself now that he's in basketball shape and he's uh, 
in the shape to actually do what Luca does, which is basically average like a 30-point triple-double. Uh, but I just don't think if they uh, don't have that consistent second option alongside him, this team isn't really going to go anywhere. And that's why I was always such a big component uh, for them to try and make like a Victor Oladipo trade. And now that that has kind of passed as I don't really know what his situation is going to be with the Houston Rockets going forward. I just don't think they would trade with the Dallas Mavericks, even though I think that'd be a great move for the Mavericks to try and trade for Victor Oladipo. I don't know if it's on the table because as much as Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good player and he's been very, very good for his entire Mavericks career so far, he is a guy who is super inconsistent and I just never really trust, even if he's around a 40% three-point shooter on eight attempts, He's going to have nights where he's just absolutely cold and he's always going to be a guy who like stalls the offense at times in a very J.R. Smith type of way. That's just his game. That's just who he is. Uh, but that does uh, cause some problems at times as much as a good player as he is. And as much as he can also be hot as hell some nights and just be an absolutely ridiculous player, uh, his inconsistencies worry me. Uh, honestly, I just think they need more versatility at the uh, forward spots and more guys who can rebound and defend. Because honestly, with Luka and with Chris Stapps hopefully turning things up, and then you got some ball handlers like Jalen Brunson, you got like Trey Burke, uh, I think they can get by with that. But I just think they need more defensive versatility at the forward position and more guys who can shoot the ball, to be honest. Because that's what made the Mavericks so great last year was they were such a prolific three-point shooting team. Uh, but now that they lost a lot of that three-point shooting, four more guys who can defend. And they've been a better defensive roster this season, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they've definitely lost that offensive firepower, which made them so good. Because, like, Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy who just isn't that good of a shooter and he's being asked to shoot uh, quite a lot of threes per game for his actual capability as a shooter yeah they really just need some versatile forwards who can do different things because I, I think with Luca at the helm of everything you again you can get by with a roster like that but uh, this roster definitely needs to make some changes I think Rick Carlisle hasn't done a great job of coaching so far this season now that they don't have Steven Silas as their assistant I think that's definitely been something that's been exposed a little bit i feel like sometimes his rotations just really haven't been on point and i also feel like sometimes they're asking luca to do way too much like i uh, obviously he is a superstar player but asking him to be the main guy every single night and putting so much pressure on him especially when chris Stapps is out uh that just can't really be expected to win on a consistent basis because even if he puts up a big night at the end of the day you have to have support around your number one guy and even though again they do have nice guys on this roster they do have guys who should come back and i think when uh their guys come back when maxi kleber comes back and all that they'll be a much better roster um but I do still think there are things that need to be changed about this roster, and there are uh, constructional issues with this roster. There have been coaching issues from time to time, and I think a big trade is something that they absolutely need to make. Um, while I was doing that thing where I was reacting to the Bleacher Report uh, article early in earlier in this episode and they talked about the idea of trading for someone like Otto Porter uh, by getting rid of James Johnson and getting rid of Dwight Powell. I think that'd be a really good move for them. You get an expiring and you get someone who can 
really shoot the three ball, very good catch and shoot player, uh, especially, and then is a good wing defender as well. So I think they just need to make moves like that. I don't necessarily think they need like a third star guy, even though obviously that help. And I mean, if a Victor Oladipo trade is there, I think you absolutely have to do everything in your power to make a trade like that. But if they could just get better role players who are more consistent, because I think that's the biggest issue with uh, this roster more than anything is just the lack of consistency uh, from these role players. I think this roster can still be very good, but I am a little bit concerned about them if they don't make that move. Uh, I do think with Luke at the helm and with Chris Stapps hopefully being healthy, uh, you're still going to be a good roster, but I think you do have a pretty clear ceiling with this roster if they don't make some moves. So I think they could definitely be one of the teams that takes uh, advantage of the trade deadline the most to probably get some more wing shooting, maybe get a secondary ball handler alongside Luka. They definitely just need to make uh, some type of move like that to help this roster out. Now, I want to talk about Bradley Beal. It is absolutely time for Bradley Beal to request a trade from the Washington Wizards. This dude, Bradley Beal, is the league leader in scoring, averaging 35.4 points per game on very good efficiency. He's shooting 48% from the field, uh, 40, uh, 36.6% from three, and 88.5% from the line. Scoring 35.4 points per game, and the Wizards are 3-11. and 11. As much as I may love uh, players who are loyal to their team, and I think everybody uh, loves loyal players. Like It's just something that you have so much respect for. You have so much respect for Stephen Curry for being on the Warriors so long. You have so much respect for Damian Lillard always uh, fighting through things. Uh, with the Portland Trailblazers, and even though when they were disappointing at times, he never left that roster, he never quit on them. At a certain point, when your team is giving you just such a lack of help, uh, I think it's just time to ask out, and I think it's that time for Bradley Beal because Russell Westbrook isn't doing anything but getting older and getting worse as a player. Uh, I'm not a Russell Westbrook hater by any means, but I've always been realistic with Russell Westbrook, and especially this season, some people like even compare... Uh, campaigning for him to be an all-star is just ridiculous to me because Russell Westbrook I don't care that he's averaging a triple double this year he has been bad he has been very very bad this year the efficiency has been absolutely atrocious and people always come up with the injury excuse for Westbrook they always say he's fighting through some injury and so many times it's been his excuse in the playoffs but my one thing is if he's always fighting through injury and he isn't the same uh, super durable player that he used to be then we have to judge him for what he is when he's fighting through injury that just is what it is at the end of the day like if you continue to fight through these injuries and you continue to have these injuries uh then i'm gonna judge you for what you are even if you're not 100 percent because you're continually playing not at 100 percent. and the way russell westbrook is playing right now is just again bad he has lost a lot of the athleticism that made him such a great player in the first place because russell westbrook has always relied on his athleticism and it's obviously not just his fault uh, that the Wizards suck. And even if Russell Westbrook was struggling, uh, I wouldn't necessarily just uh, like 
directly correlate that to Bradley Beal needing to request a trade. But there are such clear issues with this roster that they just haven't really tried to address at all. Like, obviously, they've been a team that's been hit hard by COVID, and they've been a team that's had a bunch of G Leaguers uh, have to play key minutes for them. Like, if we look at their uh, lineup uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans, where Bradley Beal scored 47 points and still got blown out. Uh, if we look at the lineup outside of him, Isaac Bonga, good wing defender. Uh, that's about as far as it goes. Bench player on most team, uh, most teams. A player who probably wouldn't get m- many minutes at all on most teams. 28 minutes a game. Well, 28 minutes in that game. Jordan Bell, a player who was basically uh, outside of the league for a little bit and honestly just isn't that good of a player. Honestly, I didn't even know he was the was the was with the Washington Wizards. I I thought he was still with the Cavs. I I had no clue he was with them, and I I think that shows how good of a player he is. Thirty one minutes. Robin Lopez, backup center at best, is their starting center now because Thomas Bryant's injured. Raul Neto, backup point guard at best, and a bad backup point guard is at best was their starting point guard in this game. Jerome Robinson, a massive draft bust. Uh, is a key rotation player for them. They have Alex Lennon on their roster who got cut because he was just a mess, and he's a bad player. He was terrible for the Toronto Raptors. Anthony Gill. Honestly, even though I'm a diehard NBA fan, I don't know who the hell Anthony Gill is. Garrison Matthews is a solid three-point shooter, but is another guy who probably wouldn't be getting many minutes on most rosters. And then you got like Cassius Winston, who I do like as a, a rookie and a young player, but is again a guy who'd probably get like five minutes per game at most on most rosters. There are such clear issues with this roster. And I mean, it mostly stems to the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball for this roster is absolutely terrible. And the thing about this, this is such a different situation from a team like the Miami Heat, who's another team that's been hit super hard by the COVID protocols and have struggled a lot so far this season. The Miami Heat are missing. Uh, a lot of players who are going to fix their issues. They're missing Jimmy Butler. They're missing Avery Bradley. They're missing Mo Harkless. And they've struggled on the defensive side of the ball, which is usually where they're where they hang their hat in. And that's obviously going to be helped by those guys being back. But with the Washington Wizards, even Russell Westbrook coming back, he's not a great defender. And especially now that he's getting older, he's even uh, worse of a defender. Mo Wagner, not a good defender. I mean, Denny of is a good defender. But also, Scott Brooks has been completely misusing him. And that's another thing why Bradley Beal needs her crest the trade i don't know how the hell scott brooks has uh kept his job as the coach in washington scott brooks just sucks as a coach like there's there's no other way around it he's he's a mess of a coach he's absolutely a terrible coach and uh that should be shown in the way he's using denny of dia he's using denny of dia who is a guy who is a playmaker a guy who can handle the ball a big forward uh, who just can do a lot of different things, a super versatile player who was uh, known coming into the draft for his versatility. But one of his things was that he was struggling as a three-point shooter. And then what does Scott Brooks do when he hears that? He plays him as a completely spot-up player, puts him basically only in the corner, gives him no responsibilities to play make, no responsibilities to handle the ball, even though that's what made him so great in the first place, uh, was his ability to do a bunch of different things on offense and be a jack-of-all-trades. And even though he has been shooting the three ball pretty good so far this season, they're completely limiting his potential and limiting his ability uh, just by the horrible coaching of Scott Brooks. Like, 
He could be doing so much more and could be such a better player. And I don't think that's uh, Denny's fault at all. That is completely a product of Scott Brooks because Denny has always been someone who's thrived with the ball in his hands. And again, that's what made him such a, a nice prospect. And that's what made him one of my favorite prospects with his ability to just do so many different things and be uh, a Swiss Army knife, be a bit of like a Gordon Hayward type of player. Not the score that Gordon Hayward is, but like the all-around guy who can play make, who can rebound, who's just super smart and then he's just having him stand in the corner which is just an absolute mess they've been hit with the Thomas Bryant injury even though they they were bad with Thomas Bryant too like Thomas Bryant's a really good offensive player but he's yet again another guy who is terrible on the defensive side of the ball and now that Bradley Beal doesn't really have any energy to play on defense because you're making him score 35 points a game to try to even try and be competitive in games how are you expecting him to do anything on the defensive side of the ball when you're asking him to do that much to try and carry your terrible team with your terrible coach to even try and win games like it's just such a mess over there in Washington the GM has done such a horrible job of constructing this roster he's held on to Scott Brooks for no reason Scott Brooks again is just bad as a coach there's no other way around it and it's absolutely time for Bradley Beal to request a trade and honestly I don't think anyone's going to be mad at him like Washington Wizards fans are probably going to be sad but they're going to be completely understanding because they know how good Bradley Beal is a is as a player and they know that his career is just being completely wasted so if he could get traded to a place like miami or anywhere else honestly because almost any other situation is better than the wizards right now i mean they have the worst uh win percentage in the league if i'm correct uh, i think they have an even worse win percentage yeah they have a worse win percentage uh, percentage than the Timberwolves who've missed cat for most of the year like this team just sucks and they're completely wasting Bradley Beal I want to see him out of there I want to see him competing because I think Bradley Beal's just that good and I think he's uh, been done so wrong on this roster but honestly it's just up to him now it's up to him to request that trade it's up to him to go into that front office and say my time here is done I've done absolutely everything that I could that I can for this roster and you guys have just treated me horribly you've put such poor uh, stuff around me and I'm gone it's up to him to do that so free Bradley Beal but he's got to free himself before anything I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back to get into some player spotlights to finish off the episode okay I'm back to get into some player spotlights right here first starting off with Michael Porter Jr of the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets have started to tur turn things around and MBJ did miss quite a bit of games, but ever since he's came back and at the start of the season as well, he's been absolutely awesome for this Nuggets roster and he's been their second best player so far. Uh, I've always liked Michael Porter Jr.'s game a ton just because he's a guy who just scores the ball so effortlessly and he's so talented on the offensive side of the ball in a very similar way to like Kevin Durant. He just... It looks so effortless for him out there. So many times he just rises over people. And there's nothing you can do about it because the dude is 6'10", super lanky, and is just such a talented shot maker. And obviously the injuries were such a big concern going into the league. But with him not really dealing with injuries that much ever since he's uh, actually started playing, I think Michael Porter, 
uh, Jr.'s potential is just out of the roof. I think this dude can be like a 25-point-per-game score, and he's showing me those signs so far this year. And only eight games, obviously, so we have to see him be more consistent throughout the year. But he showed so many signs in the bubble and in the last regular season when he actually got minutes as well that I'm so confident he can keep this up. Uh, he's averaging 18.3 points, shooting 55.6% from the field, 47% from three, and 85.7% from the line, also getting 7.1 uh, rebounds per game. He's a great rebounder, and I mean, he's shooting a true shooting percentage of 69%, which is what I love about MPJ so much, is he's just so efficient from every part of the game. Like, uh, when we talk about uh, just his overall scoring, great three-point shooter, rises over people with ease, and is also a really good off-ball player. I love his ability to move off-ball, and that gives him a lot of opportunities to get open shots, especially when you have playmakers like Nikola Jokic alongside you you're gonna get hit so many times and also with just the offensive gravity that Nikola Jokic has it gives MPJ so many more opportunities and as inconsistent and as frustrating as Jamal Murray can be he is a guy who's still a talented offensive player and still does bring attention towards him so that also just helps Michael Porter Jr. get these open shots and uh, going back to his off-ball ability he's very good at moving around the perimeter to get threes but he's also an incredible cut and he's already done such a good job of learning how to cut off Jokic and when you learn how to do that that gives you so many just easy buckets because their offense revolves so much around Jokic and Jokic just sees so many things that most people don't and yeah his his connection with Jokic is very very good and then just talking about his ability to create his own shot I mean in again a very Kevin Durant like way a lot of the times he doesn't really even have to create much space he just has to rise over someone and there's not much you can do about it but he's got a pretty solid handle especially for someone of his size great mid-range shooter can get uh to those spots and again can just rise over anyone a uh, very good finisher at the basket i mean his size and length is definitely helped by that pretty athletic as well he just is the full offensive package he can literally do everything and can score from anywhere like even though he's shooting uh so high and is shooting uh, again a true shooting percentage of 69 percent which is incredible I don't think that's unrealistic for him at all to keep that up because I just think MBJ is that talented of an offensive player. And I think the more and more we get into the season, I think they're going to start to realize that Michael Porter Jr., is uh, going to emerge as the second best player on this roster. And I think uh, he's going to get a lot more opportunity as he continues to get reacclimated and stuff. And I think at some point in the season, we're going to see Michael Porter Jr. be a 20-point-per-game scorer. Again, I just believe in his offensive skill set so much. Now, he's not like a perfect player by any means. I'd like to see him get to the free-throw line more. He only gets to the free-throw line 1.8 times per game, which isn't great. I, I said his handle is solid for his size, which it is, but it still is like fantastic and I think if he could get a really good handle and could start to master those like Jason Tatum type of shots where it's those step back sidestep just tough off the dribble shots if he can start to really master that and hone into his craft in that way man what are you supposed to do about Michael Porter Jr. because again he's really just the full package on the offense side of the ball other than playmaking really not a great playmaker and I just never expect him to be I always expect him to be a guy who averages about the same amount of turnovers as assists because that's just not his game and what I like about uh, the Nuggets is they're not forcing him to do that at all they're not forcing him to be something that he's not and that's what's so great about them having Nikola Jokic as their uh, center is that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. aren't playmakers they're both scorers and they let them 
them be their natural scoring role and just let Jokic be the main uh, facilitator and get those guys open shots. And it just worked so well. Michael Porter Jr. is definitely taking a step on the defensive side of the ball. Still isn't great on that end, but he was really bad last year. And honestly, it wasn't an effort thing, really. It was more of an awareness thing. You could just tell with him having the inconsistent minutes that he had and with him just not playing consistent basketball because of all the injuries that he sustained. He just wasn't ready to play against NBA competition. But now that he's more acclimated into the game, he's starting to learn players' tendencies more. Much better defender this year, averaging about a steal and a half and a block, which I'll always say is never a great way to measure defenders, but it is nice to see him making plays. And he's definitely taking uh, much more advantage of his length. There still is times where he can get lost off off ball there still is time where his iq can be questionable on that side of the ball but it's much better and i i just expect that to improve with every game he plays i expect like every 10 games or so we'll see a pretty good jump from him on the defensive side of the ball and he's never going to be a great defender in my opinion but as long as he shows the effort shows the awareness and uses his length to advantage to at least be an average to above average defender it's uh, it's going to be completely fine because he's going to be such a dominant offensive player. And I just absolutely love everything about Michael Porter Jr.'s game. He's really just one of my favorite players in the league. So fun uh, to watch for me. And I'm really excited about his future, man. I think he just has so much potential to unlock. And I think he's already starting to unlock it this season. It's been absolutely awesome for the Denver Nuggets. And I just really hope he can keep this up for the rest of the year because he's been great. Next player I want to talk about is Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's been a big part to why this team has been so good. They're the first team in the Eastern Conference, and they've just been absolutely phenomenal. Now, obviously, Tobias Harris got criticized a ton for the contract that he was given. And, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if you get such a big contract like he did, you're going to accept that money. Uh, but I do understand why people were criticizing him a lot because he, he was good in the regular season last year especially, but in the playoffs he definitely struggled. Uh, without Ben Simmons, he was asked to do a lot of stuff that I just think isn't Tobias Harris's game. Like He was asked to be much more of a main offensive player. He was asked to... Uh, be more of a playmaker and again that just isn't Tobias Harris's game but now with a healthy roster with them making significant improvements to the roster and everything just flowing so much better and fitting so much better with him playing his natural position that is the four he has been much better this year and has been an all-star caliber player so far uh, on the season he's averaging 20 points 6.7 rebounds and 2.8 assists on 52 and a half percent from the field 46 percent from three and 82 percent from the line with a true shooting percentage of six 62%, which is very, very good. And I just love the role that Doc uh, Doc Rivers is putting Tobias Harris in. Uh, he just seems like he's the best coach for Tobias Harris, and he knows his tendencies, he knows his strengths and his weaknesses, and he maximizes them uh, to the fullest extent, and he's been doing that again this year. He's a guy who is a very good three-point shooter, and they're allowing him to shoot about five times per game, shooting 46%. Now, the 46% in it isn't really sustainable because that's just a very hard percentage to hit unless you're a truly elite shooter. And Tobias Harris is, is again, a very good three-point shooter, but I don't think he's that. I do think he is around a 40 to 42% three-point shooter, though, which is still very, very good. And with him getting his catch-and-shoot opportunities, with Joel Embiid improving as a playmaker every year, and then him just bringing so much offensive attention, he's going to get his open shots. Ben Simmons is such a good playmaker. And they just have so many more weapons on the offensive side of the ball now that it just makes the game so much easy, easier for him because he has less responsibility and he can do more 
with less now. Like he's only taking 15 shots a game and he's scoring 20 points. That's just super efficient stuff from him. And he's not really going outside of who we know Tobias Harris to be, which is what I like. Uh, this definitely just isn't this isn't just some hot streak by any means. He's just a very good basketball player, and they're putting him in the position to succeed. They're uh, the the roster construction is just so much better now. It allows Tobias Harris to get to his mid range area, which he is very very good in. Is such a good mid range shooter. Isn't like a great ball handler, but is a pretty good ball handler, and he just has a lot of moves in the mid range area that he's super comfortable with, and you can just tell that's his area of comfort. Isn't super athletic, but can get by guys, especially if he's facing a slower forward. Absolutely can get by someone. Uh, very good rebounder as well. Has been around a seven to eight rebound guy for most of his career. And again, I just love the role he's playing so much on this roster. As with Ben Simmons being a little disappointing and him never being like a big time scorer anyway, they've really relied on Tobias to be the second guy on the offensive side of the ball at least this. Uh, so far this year with Joel Embiid dominating the way he is and he's just succeeded in that role so so well he's been playing very very good and just looks so much more comfortable out there again he's playing his natural position playing with guys that fit around him and then playing with a coach uh, that actually knows how to utilize Tobias Harris and isn't putting him at the three because man last year 76ers roster that roster was just such a mess and uh, I don't know how so many people just glossed over that. Like, I was never one of those guys who was saying they were going to make the finals because I just never believed in the fit of that roster, and I thought it all fit so awkwardly with each other. And we're seeing that now with just everybody on this roster who was there last year. They're succeeding so much more because the camaraderie of this roster is so much better. They all fit together so much better, and they're all just playing so much better other than, the, than Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons is still doing the his thing on the defensive side of the ball especially where he's a top five defender in the league so versatile uh, and then he's just allowed the other people to really take over the offensive responsibility where he's taken a bit of a step back you got a guy like Seth Curry as well you drafted Tyrese Maxey Shake Milton has taken a big step off the bench and has been a six man of the year type of guy all this roster just flows so well and a big reason for that is because it just fits so much uh, better together and because Ty Tobias Harris has been so good he's been that consistent second uh scoring option that they really needed and he's really succeeding in that role again he's had an all-star caliber year so far i don't think he'll make it but i absolutely think he deserves like an honorable mention for a guy who can be an all-star because he's been so good and the philadelphia 76ers have been so so good so far this season i've been super impressed by tobias harris at this point Last player I want to talk about is Mike Conley of the Utah Jazz as, man, the Utah Jazz have been amazing this year. And I feel like Mike Conley hasn't gotten nearly enough credit for how well they've been doing. We all know how good Donovan Mitchell is. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's a 25-point-per-game score in this league on a consistent basis. He is a top 25 guy in this league. We all know how good he is. We all know how good Rudy Gobert is on the defensive side of the ball. Great rebounder as well. Um... And we all know that Jordan Clarkson is probably the sixth man of the year so far. He's been awesome off their bench. Uh, but Mike Conley needs more credit for how far he's been playing. 
uh, this season because he has been awesome. Definitely has bounced back from his down year last year. He wasn't even terrible last year, especially towards the end of the year and in the bubble. He was much better. But at the beginning of the season, he definitely struggled. But he looks like the same old Mike Conley now. And Mike Conley's never been this amazing player. Uh, I do think he's deserved to make an all-star team at some point. I think it's crazy that he's never made an all-star team. But he's also never been uh, this superstar player. And with how many good guards were in the West, it was always hard for him to make an all-star team. Uh, but he's just an efficient and good basketball player at the end of the day. He's always been a very good three-point shooter. And now that he's with the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell is the main scorer on this roster, you can definitely tell he's put the time in. Uh, into the offseason to fit with this roster and for him to be more of an off guard for him to be more of an off ball player and just take advantage of the open shots that he's taken he's become a very very good catch and shoot player shooting 42 percent from three on about 6.9 attempts per game and while a lot of those do come off catch and shoots he is a guy who still can create his own shot off the dribble as well works has always worked so well in the pick and roll and when you got a guy like rudy gobert you got Derek favors as the backup you're giving him guys to work with in the pick and roll and it's worked so well such a good mid-range game i've always loved mike conley's mid-range game he's got a really good floater as well uh, i've always just loved that left-handed floater from him it's so nice and again he's just playing much more like himself he looks so much more comfortable with this roster and honestly that's just the thing with this roster as a whole is they all look so comfortable together the chemistry has been so on point and they're playing so much better this year uh, one of the reasons is they've been the most prolific uh, three-point shooting team in NBA history at this point at least like they've been shooting a ton and they've been shooting such a good percentage and even though I don't think that'll necessarily keep up I still think they could be one of the better three-point shooting teams if not the best three-point shooting team in the league because they got a lot of very good shooters and one of them is Mike Conley and he not only helps as how good of a shooter he is but he's also a very very good playmaker has never been a guy who's averaged a ton of assists like his career highs like six and a half seven but he's always been a guy who i just trust with the ball in his hands because he's a very very smart offensive player and again he works so well in the pick and roll uh has such a nice handle and just does everything uh very well out there i just love how he even though he was a star player for the memphis grizzlies he was averaging like 21 and six and a half his uh, last season there he's completely accepted his role of uh being more of a secondary ball handler with this roster and at the end of the day uh for any player in the league whether you're a superstar or whether you're the last man on the roster it's not about being just an all-star in this league it's about being an all-star in your role it's about being a uh, accepting of your role and being understanding of that and just doing the best job you can possible in that role and that's what Mike Conley's done he's been very good on the defensive side of the ball as he always is uh, he's always been good at getting steals getting in passing lanes and is just a very good individual defender as well and he's just been awesome so far this year. And I, just, again, feel like he hasn't gotten enough credit for him bouncing back. Because he got a lot of criticism, even though he was pretty good in the bubble. And I feel like some of his struggles were overblown, even if he was pretty bad at some points in the season. He wasn't, still wasn't an awful player. I mean, he still averaged 14.5 points on 41% from the field, 37.5% from three. But he's been much better this year. And unfortunately, I just don't think he's good enough to make an all-star team. Uh, and again, he's just never really been 
been that upper echelon when there's so many good guards in this Western Conference. But he's definitely a guy who deserves a ton of love as he's even with him being the third best player on this Utah Jazz roster, he's still been very, very good. He's stepped up a ton in like the struggles of a guy like Boshan Bogdanovich. And I think uh, when Bogdanovich gets clicking, this roster is going to be dangerous, man. Because even if they don't have the top tier talent of a team like the Lakers or the Clippers, they all fit so well together. They're all accepting of their role and they all just play very good basketball. And they're all just good basketball players. Like if you look at the starting lineup where it's Mike Conley, Donovan, Mitchell you can run Joe Ingles out there you can run Royce O'Neal it's kind of whoever you prefer at the three uh, and then you got Bojan Bogdanovic and you got Rudy Gobert that's just a, a bunch of good basketball players and you got Derek Favors uh, you got uh, just some pretty nice players off the bench you have maybe a Joe Ingles uh, depending on who you're going to play off the bench I just really like the construction of this roster and I really like how uh, Quinn Snyder has coached this roster. He's put Mike Conley in all the right positions, put Donovan Mitchell in all the right positions, and all the guys on this roster have been super successful so far this year, and Mike Conley has definitely stood out to me so far this year. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. It's Ben Michael. Peace out.